Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Back by no one's demand but our own and not from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. Instead from sunny, actually scenic Indianapolis, Indiana. The site of the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Buck Rising. If you're new to the podcast feed or if you've come for other shows and you just happen to find this on a Friday, we're happy to have you in. Uh, I am up here obviously, to cover the Tennessee Titans and to do a little bit of scouting of my own to find out which prospects make the most sense for Tennessee in the 2022 NFL Draft. And we're fortunate to have Teron Davenport of ESPN on the pod today because nobody in the local media is as smart when it comes to X's and O's conversation as TD. Certainly scouting at this time of year. So get into all of that from Indy. Uh, we're also going to have a interview that I did with Titans General Manager John Robinson as a part of the pod. So first we'll do TD, then JR, but first, Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is the presenting sponsor of this podcast, and we're so fortunate to have them as a part of the show. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet. They've been doing business with honesty and integrity for almost 40 years, since 1983. I, in fact, my car just got delivered. I did the Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford, which means you can customize any Ford, any color, any available features. Two Rivers Ford is going to deliver it right to your door. And, in fact, when I get home from Indianapolis on Sunday, my Ford is going to be parked in my driveway thanks to my great friends at Two Rivers Ford and my non-commissioned salesperson, Jonathan Whittleck. Such a great experience. You should try it for yourself or visit the dealership in Mount Juliet for one of the state's largest selections of quality American-made Ford vehicles, Two Rivers Ford, in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to TD. All right, we got TD. It must be draft time here in Indianapolis. I I think I woke you up from a nap to do this podcast today. I don't know how you're feeling after this week, but I I feel like I'm slowly dying. (laughs) Yeah, you know, this is a day where I did have to take a nap. I normally don't do that, but uh, just the last couple of days, just the, the marathon we've been running, it, it's it's taking its toll. So it's all good. It is all good. It's great to be back. We got, Our bodies have to adjust to combine. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since we've all had to go through this, and it's been a very productive week. Not over, as most people are hearing this podcast uh on a Friday, there's still uh, defensive backs and um, uh, to go tomorrow at this point to speak to the media and then to run their drills. Drills will continue throughout the course of the weekend. But uh, TD, nothing about the tape changes, obviously, right? Like right. film is the same. For you, though, what do you come to an event like this looking to get the most out of when you talk to the prospects in person? I like to get kind of like a good feel for the personality you take today. I talked to Drake Jackson out of uh, USC and it was just, he's one of my favorite guys that I got to talk to 
and he calls himself a freak and he talked about how important it is for him to be a complete player. And you just like when you, you could just feel the guy's energy when you're talking to them. And, and you don't get that from Zoom or obviously watching him uh, play football. You don't get that, but you can get it, you know, from these in-person meetings. So I like that. And just kind of getting an understanding for, you know, how guys approach the game. Uh, that's the fun part of it where you could just really kind of pull the curtain back and uh, just get a better feel for the guy as a, as a player and a person. Which is exactly, by the way, what the NFL talent evaluators think about this. They haven't been able to do much in the way of in-person stuff um, up until this year as well. And, and when we talked to John and Mike earlier this week, it seems to have made a significant difference to, I'm sure not just them, but them in particular. And given how, I mean, I don't know how you would evaluate the last two draft classes. It's been so weird between COVID and injuries, both, it's tough to kind of get a grip on where they are from a foundational standpoint, but there's no question that they haven't got the, gotten in the immediate impact out of more than, what, four guys in the last 14 picks that they've had over the last two years that come to mind. It's so critical for them to be able to capitalize on this draft class, and there's a lot of good talent here. Yeah, it is critical, and this team is just continuing to inch closer to a, a team that's Super Bowl level. The window is still there, so normally you say, hey, Jamison Williams will be a great pick because he's not going to be there till December, but more importantly, that injury, before that, he was a, a top 15 type player. Right. But now, in this case, you've got to get guys that can impact. You You can't afford to wait on the guy and, and, and work as much towards the future. The future is now, just like the banners that you see in the street here in Indianapolis. Yeah, and uh, we, I had John on the radio show. We kind of talked about that, the, the first-round pick and kind of the strategy that they've had um, in the case of Jeffrey Simmons and, and Caleb Farley, right, where they're hugely talented players that, uh, for lack of a better term, fall into their lap because of those injuries. And the roster was in a place where you said, okay, they can probably get by without those guys contributing right away. Now, in Jeff's case, right, week seven, uh, just superhuman stuff for him to come in, first career game, a sack of Phillip Rivers. He got a couple of tackles for loss in that. I mean, guys don't do that that often. Um, but in this class, TD, you know, they, the needs on offense probably most obvious and glaring where they sit right now where do you feel better about the depth of this class in particular because there's a lot of interesting offensive linemen and wide receivers this year yeah I think the depth is there at the offensive line I love the fact that there's so many interior guys that you could get later in the draft you get uh, guys on the outside too you know so it's it's pretty cool there. Um, when I say the outside, I'm talking about tackle. Obviously, um, the tight end position is very deep. You got guys in like Jelani Woods out of Virginia, Chick Conquell out of Maryland, you know, who says that he's a more athletic version of Johnny Smith. And these are guys I continually mention, but that tight end group is, is really deep. And the receivers, that's what's really interesting. Um, you look at Christian Watkins, uh, excuse me, Christian Watson. Uh, out of North Dakota State, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. These guys have really helped themselves 
by exemplifying the speed and just agility that you saw on tape in the measurements, you know, as far as the, the 40 is concerned and the broad jumps and those things. When, when, you know, I'm glad you brought up like the drills themselves, because I think, and certainly, I mean, as we're taping this on a Friday last night, the wide receiver numbers were insane. Apparently all of a sudden in the matter of a day, this became the fastest uh, wide receiver class in the history of, uh, of professional football all of a sudden, but the official times looked a little more reasonable. I, I want, how do you, how do you kind of process the drills? I, it's, it's position. You got to take it based on position by position. But I feel like people don't even like when they when they see that Chris Olave. I mean, the unofficial was a four two six. I think he ended up running some a four three one officially. When you see that number, you immediately say, "Wow, you know, best route runner maybe in the class, and also apparently really really fast guy." But I feel like you know, in the case of somebody like Traylon uh, uh, Trayvon, or is is it Traylon or Trayvon? I'm blanking there. Traylon, yeah, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Um, he's a completely different size, a completely different type of receiver, and I feel like people don't necessarily account for that when they see the numbers and they make their judgments on the forty time. I'm so glad you mentioned him because I was talking to uh, Emery Hunt and, and Jordan Reed earlier today, and I just said. You know, it's so funny to me how people have moved off of their their grades as far as uh, Traylon Burks being the top receiver just based off of his 40 time. And, I mean, I don't feel like he is the top receiver. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just can't see moving a guy because of how fast he ran the 40. In. And it just – it's tough for me to – allow the, the combine to have that much of a weight on there. So you're right. I mean, you got to take the drills for what they are. And, uh, I mean, look, he doesn't have the top-end speed that, that uh, you, you know, Chris Olave has or even a Garrett Wilson. But as you mentioned, he's a different body type. You use him differently. And he's someone that you don't always get that vertical threat from. You, you can't throw the, the – well, with him, it's like 80-20. You can throw those balls – but he gets you the free yards. You know, Mike Rayball, Coach Rayball, he always talks about the free yards, the yards after the catch. So I think you have to take it for what it is as far as the different styles. Um, Arkansas had him listed around 6'4", 6'5". He, he's actually 6'2", so that can change a little bit of how you, you, you consider um, what it is that he does. But the bottom line, that guy's a football player, and he's one of the best receivers. With Rayball, when we spoke to him, I think – even more than at the the podium, but you know the typical uh, typical ridiculousness when you've got Bravel at a at a place with people that aren't accustomed to asking <laughs> questions. Yeah, lessons. Always enjoyable for those of us who are there on a regular basis or a semi regular basis in my case nowadays. But um, when we did sidebar and he brought up Tim Kelly to kind of, we'll uh, we'll spend more time on prospects here in a second, but since we're on offense and the idea of passing game coordinator, Tim Kelly, it's the first time we've had the chance to talk to Mike about this. And, and Brable kind of made a point to say that Tim isn't coming in with an agenda um, to, you know, unseat Todd Downing or undermine Todd Downing, even though Brable would have liked to interview him for the job that Todd Downing now has prior to that interview being blocked by the Texans at the time. Um, but I did think it was interesting, Teron, the way that he kind of talked about passing game coordinator, almost in the same way that he talks about Jim Schwartz as a senior defensive assistant. One is infinitely more involved in game planning and scheming 
than the other. And I wonder if that caught your attention as well. It did because they were so hesitant to mention Jim Schwartz throughout the year and really hesitant to speak on what role he actually played. But here we are, you're using that to kind of explain what Tim Kelly is going to do. So, yeah, it was interesting that they, you know, he brought him up. It was definitely interesting to me. And you're right, you know, you just do wonder, okay, is this OC and waiting? You know, how is Coach uh, Downing going to adjust to it? And it, it raises questions. I certainly so. And now you have Titans fans licking their chops in, the, in their further further hashtag campaign to try and fire this year's coach, right? It was Bowen last year, it's Downing this year. And yeah. the, the cycle continues. Um, it's not just fans, right? You have a certain... <laughs> Uh, hey, well, All right, Stillman, where are you? He's he's been dying to get on this podcast. I hire everybody. <laughs> That's how Jared approaches it. At some at some point, I'm going to throw him a bone and let him on the podcast. But I'll sweat <laughs> it out a little bit. Um, I in talking to in talking to scouts this week, Teron, and I'm sure you've you've uh, I know I know for a fact you've been uh, making the rounds as as is the custom, as is a part of our job this week. The the way that people are kind of going through this process and, and specific to Tennessee, um, it, it feels, it feels like they understand the need for that immediate impact that we talked about earlier as well. Now, I mean, of course, in a perfect world, you would want that to happen no matter what position you're drafting and no matter what round you're drafting them in. But I, I wonder when when you kind of study this class, the positions that we talked about, particularly wide receiver and tight end, do you see an immediate impact player at either of those positions outside of the first round? Because realistically, unless they trade back, they're probably going to overdraft somebody if they take one of those two positions at 26. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at a, a guy like, Eric Ekuzama out of Texas Tech. You know, I think he's someone that probably he's not going to go first round, probably not second, but as you get into that third round, he, he definitely is someone to consider. Um, all of these guys say, hey, you know, I, I'm the next Debo Samuel. Uh, I think he really has not the next Debo Samuel ability, but you know, he's someone that they've shifted into Wildcat. I, I asked him about that. You know, big smile popped up on his face. You know, so he is one of those versatile guys. Um, so he's someone that, that I think of at the receiver position. Tight end-wise, you know, I mentioned the the, the guys in, in uh, you know, uh, Jelani Woods and Chigakonkwo, but no one is talking about Greg Dolchich. And this guy out of UCLA, man, like, I don't know, man. He he might be the most complete tight end in my opinion because he is a capable blocker. But when you talk about being able to affect the field, uh, you know, vertically and, and and things like that, he does. He averages seven seventeen point six yards a catch, you know, throughout his career. Two years ago, he was at nineteen, yeah. you know. And he's someone that loves that deep over. He told me his favorite route is wide option. And he's like, man, I like that because I could do whatever I want. And uh, he's, like I said, capable blocking. So that's, that's a, you know, a, a name from the tight end position. But there's a bunch of them. You know, Charlie Colar out of Iowa State, 
Yeah, uh, I know, you know, one of the guys you like, Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. Like, there's there's so many, and that's the cool part of it. Well, and they're probably going to, I mean, they, in reality, they probably need a couple, given that all three of those guys who were on the roster are now unrestricted free agents. Just to, to put a bow on it this week, Teron, I, you've done this for a considerable amount of time, not to age you, but um, I, I wonder what you consider to be the biggest disconnect between football fans and NFL talent evaluators when it comes to this week specifically, because we all, we all understand that narratives are created and that uh, this is the biggest rumor mill, rumor mill uh, focal point for the entire NFL season at any given point. Cause we're all here and we're all, you know, we're all here to basically watch football players gossip and go to steakhouses at night. Like that's the whole deal this week. <laughs> but from your standpoint, through all the for all the years having done this, what do you consider to be the biggest disconnect between how people consume it and what we're all actually here to do? Yeah, are you saying like from a prospect perspective or rumor? rumor well, I, I mean, probably more prospect because rumor, okay. you know, anybody can get on Twitter and talk about Amari Cooper to the Titans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think from a, a prospect perspective, the importance that is placed on measurables Right. Well, you'll see, uh, we mentioned it, uh, Traylon Burks, you know, all of a sudden those who pounded the table for him being wide receiver one, because he didn't run a four, three or something like that. He's, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver three. So I think the, the importance and the understanding of the measurables, it's a lot of people, you know, base a good amount of their evaluation on that when the fact of the matter is you're, you're, you're watching these guys play football, you're paying them to do that, not run around, you know, and do the thing. So I, I think that's an important part that's, that's missed um, as far as like uh, understanding that the combine is for kind of like checks and balances. Okay. You know what play and a good example, Brandon Howard, who writes for the athletic, mm-hmm. you know, um, Chris Olave ran the four two six, And I remember talking to him and he's like, He's not really a four four two guy, you know. And if you watch him play, like there, there really isn't. He doesn't play with that speed. Uh, I don't, I don't see how he he clocked in at that. And lo and behold, and I think it was actually the official was four three nine or something like that, four three eight. You know, so that's a good example where it's like, okay, this guy ran this time, but does he play with that type of speed? You know, and uh, that's a good example you know, how you, you, you use it just to kind of counterbalance, you know, what you're seeing. And just understand it's a part of the equation. Well, and Vrabel hammers that every time we talk to him about, specifically like A.J. Brown, right? Play strength, play speed. It's a completely different mm-hmm. conversation than straight line, uh, straight line running and benching uh, at the combine. Yeah, and a good example, I'll I, I tell you now, um, Purdue's George Karloftis, Car- mm-hmm. hey, he's not going to test well. He'll probably murder the bench, you know what I mean? Because that's just his game, it's just his power. Yeah. But that dude, you put him on the football field, and he will bust you behind, man. And it, you know, you watch the the Minnesota game. That's a good, good uh, uh, snapshot of how that dude plays. And he's like I said, not going to win the underwear Olympics, but he he'll he'll win the the helmet and shoulder pads, you know. No, I, I, I don't know why, you know, we've, we've all done this before. I don't know why it gets so twisted throughout the course of this week where 
I mean, we all understand that we're, you watch the film and then you under, you, you get the, the value of what a player can or cannot do, what his limitations can be and where he can fit, regardless of whether he's overwhelmingly athletic. It doesn't mean that he's going to succeed or if he's not all that athletic, it means he's going to fail outright. There are a million different uses for these guys. It's ultimately the, uh, the uh, talent evaluators and the coaches responsibility to figure out how all those pieces fit together. And at least, I mean, from, and this is something I learned from people smarter than me, like you to not have somebody tell me something and then immediately parrot that, but to use it as a different perspective from what I've already determined from my own evaluation to maybe try and pick up something that I've missed. It's, it's, I don't understand why it's that hard to figure it out, but also I was one of these idiots a couple of years ago. So maybe I get it better than I think I do. Well, I mean, you live and you learn uh, different things. And, you know, the thing that's so crazy about this is even after studying all the tape that you study, seeing the guy in person and talking to him to get that level of dog he has in him, and then watching him work out in the different field drills, the evaluation still isn't complete. Why? Because you don't know where the guy's going. You know, if, if Mac Jones went to the Titans, he probably wouldn't have the same success because the Titans typically are going to put the quarterback on the move. You know, you're booting and doing all this. That's not Mac Jones. You know what I mean? So even with all that being said, it's still incomplete because, I mean, where imagine imagine if Corey Davis went to the Saints, you know, instead of Michael Thomas. And I've told Corey uh, multiple times, you know, when he was – with the Titans, I told him, man, talent-wise, you're the best receiver in, in the AFC South. And I looked him in the face and I said, yes, that includes DeAndre Hopkins. Now, as far as, like, what we're seeing, Hopkins is the best. But talent-wise, top to bottom, you're the best. So that it, it tells you, you know, situations that have a, they have a big impact. And just to be clear for, you know, the, the morons out there, are going to say, who is this guy? Who, who does he think? No, I'm not saying – Corey Davis was better than DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins was clearly better than Corey Davis. But I think a lot of it, uh, situation-wise, if he would have went to the Saints, you know, for example, I think the the outlook on, on him would be totally different. And it's, I mean, you know, and in fairness, it's it's a mindset thing as much as anything, I think, in that case, because uh, you're you're looking for a guy who maybe on occasion needs to be gassed up, but uh, doesn't need to be consistently reminded, hey, you're super talented. Now go go execute the way yeah. that you know that you can execute. Uh, Teron Davenport, talking with TD, by the way, great time. If you're not already subscribed, if you're not, you're an idiot. Do better to find out more about these players because he's going to have a bunch of them on, has had some of them on already yeah. to start this pre-draft process. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, wherever it is that you get your podcast and follow at tdavenport underscore NFL for all of the insights and Titans related content being produced there. Buddy, I appreciate it. No problem. Appreciate it. My interview that I did on my radio show with Titans general manager, John Robinson coming up here in just a second, but first a quick reminder about DraftKings Sportsbook. promo code A to Z sports gets you involved in all the action. And if you're ready for conference championships, DraftKings Sportsbook is a great place to start. You can turn your team's victory into your own big win with one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. 
It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you desire. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code A2ZSports. That's A-T-O-Z Sports. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code A2ZSports this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. This is my interview from earlier this week with Titans general manager, John Robinson. John's going to sit down with us before he does his press conference availability, and he's joining us right now as soon as Kirby Allen Kirby gets him the hookup. Nah, he's a pro. He's been here before. What's happening? Afternoon. How are we? We're doing okay. Can you guys hear me? We sure can. Can you hear you? No, not. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Now we're hot. John Robinson. We're hot. Here with us on 104.5 The Zone. It's great to be back at the Combine, John. This is the first time that the media vultures have been able to be back at this kind of thing. But how how much different have the last two years been through the evaluation process for you now that we're starting to get things back to kind of normal? Very different. You know, and I would say this, you know, a sense of normalcy has certainly uh, returned being able to interact with with the prospects uh, through a couple different interview sessions, it's so much better uh, than trying to talk to somebody over a computer. Um, you, know, you can watch film. You can ask them tough questions as you're watching the film, like, well, what were you doing here? And, um, you know, because that's what we're trying to hire them to do is to be football players. And right. You're getting to know them as people along the way throughout the you know, course of conversation, but it's just – you know, it's hard in that virtual world to, to, to read body language, to look at, you know, are they looking down at the ground all the time when you're asking them tough questions? All of those little things that, um, you know, they could be precursors to what the player may be about. But they've been good. We've had some really good interviews um, the last couple of days and, you know, look forward to keep plowing away here. Titans general manager John Robinson here with us at the Combine on 104.5 The Zone. When you're breaking, and I know it's it's on an individual prospect basis when you're watching film with these guys and when you're asking them about certain plays or certain concepts, maybe your quarterback, how they read a defense or how they handle like drop eight or something like that, for example. When, when you're going through that process with them, how many drop eight? You've been playing Madden? <laughs> no, we had people a lot smarter than me on here talking X's and O's. I try to I try to sound smart about football every once in a while, John. Did I make you laugh with that one. That was good. Yeah, <laughs> almost as good as a player the other night. We was we were asking like, what what kind of coverage do you see mostly? He goes, oh, we see that bump and run, and I'm like, <laughs> heard bump and run in like twelve years. But like, how how does that? How many? I guess how many people? Just for the audience who doesn't necessarily how this thing know how this thing works for you how many people are in the room with you guys with the prospects when you're going through these things? yeah probably 10 you know 10 or 10 or 11 um you know scouts are in there uh obviously coach Brable use the coordinators in there <clears throat> and it's you know it's there's really I mean we've got a we've got a format that we try to follow um but there's you know some off schedule sometimes the player will say something and it'll it'll spark a question you know maybe in Braves's mind or, or in my mind and you know, sometimes you'll you'll throw them a little throw them a little high heat and try to brush sure. them back off the plate, see how they react to that. And um, you know, sometimes you'll throw them a softball and see if you know do they swing and, and hit it or do they miss. But um, it's 
we've got certain job. We've got a job for basically everybody in the room. You know, you're observing body language. You know, our area scouts and our, you know, guys that have been on the road, they know the background of these players from what, you know, their contacts at their various schools. As you kind of talk through some of those things, you're seeing, all right, well, are they really being you know, pretty forthcoming on some of that stuff or are they trying to, you know, skirt around it? And um, you know, I'd say for the most part, the guys we've talked to so far have, have been really good. A consensus about this draft class, a lot of talent in the offensive and defensive line, the trenches specifically, but it seems like there's so much variance around the quarterback position. When when there are years like that, I know the priority is good football players who are going to do everything they can to help the football sure. team first and foremost. But when you're kind of looking at a draft like this where uh, those positions are at a premium and, and given the protection was something of an issue last year, what, what do you kind of make of this offensive line class? Uh, I think it's a pretty good class. Yeah, I think that there's some there's some good there's some good you know players on the on the end of the line of scrimmage. Um, some good players kind of close to the interior of the point. You know, centers and guards. I think that's a good group. I think as a whole, it's it's a good group. I think you can find um, I think you can find players really at different levels, but all all players that I think can can line up and and play. You know, certainly guys that go in the top five theoretically should be somebody that better than somebody that goes in the fourth round. But you know, they, who knows? You know. Uh, it's all subjective, and it's all really dependent upon how much the players willing to willing to come in and, and work um, to maximize their skill set. But you know, I think investing in the lines of scrimmage is is important. I think you can never go wrong uh, investing there because, as you said, that's such a that's such a premium, and that's really where you know the foundation of a football game is. It starts up there. You know, if you don't protect, uh, and if you don't you know attack the other uh, other team's line, then it could be a long game for you. Teams are built outside of just the first round, but obviously that's what a lot of football fans gravitate towards. For you guys, is is it a necessity for your first-round pick to be able to provide you instant impact, or are you guys in a position as a roster to kind of slow play things a little bit in, in the cases of somebody like Jeff or Caleb last year? Yeah, I think those two guys are, are good examples. I think that when um, you know when we selected Jeffrey, there was – Everybody kind of saw his talent, but there was um, you know, a little bit of well, you're not going to get the player. And I think we've we've certainly seen what he's capable of doing. Uh, congrats to him on making the Pro Bowl this year. Um, and, and Caleb, you know, he he came back off the you know his his injury before the com you know after the combine. Well, it wasn't a combine last year, but yeah. Um, and and then unfortunately hit it, you know got hurt in in a game there in, in Nissan. So, um, but he's working hard. Um, I, I think when you talk to that about that first round pick, ideally you would love for it to be clean. Sure. You'd love for it to be in, come in and be a premium starter. And you never know in the first round where those guys come from. There's guys picked at the back of the first round that end up being, you know, really, really good. DeAndre Hopkins was the back of the first round guy. And you got guys at the top of the round that, that don't do so good. So um, I think we when we talk scouting terms, you, you know, you've certainly got grade-wise guys that we think will come in and be – you know, day one impact players, those guys typically are gone before we pick because we typically pick at the back of the round. Um, not a it, bad problem to have. It's not a terrible problem. I'm not complaining. But then you've got guys that you're really looking at year two, all right? So once this guy comes in, he gets acclimated, this guy can start for us, and we think we can win football games with him. Like we said, Titans general manager John Robinson here with us. Like we said, the, the priority is good football players. Is is the quarterback position off the table this year, or is no position off the table? No, I think we're always looking to you know to, to add players to the team that we think you know either from a developmental role uh, can help the football team, uh, from a depth role can help the football team. 
Um, you know, Logan's certainly done. He's improved. Um, you know, Ryan's done has made a bunch of great throws for us. Yeah. He's played a lot of good football for us. Uh, unfortunately, he had a bad game or two last year, and, and, and that sticks with you, especially when it's the last game of the year. Recency bias is tough. You know, so um, – and he knows he's got to be better, and I know he's going to work his tail off to be better and improve. Uh, just like all of our players are. Um, but I think that position, you know, you're, you're always looking at that position because it's such an important position, maybe the most important position to the football team. What you, over the course of your career here in Tennessee, now going into year seven, you have always rewarded guys when their second contracts are coming up who have been committed to the cause, who have been durable, and who have been productive, whether it's Lawan or Bayard, Derek, Tannehill. Now you've kind of got a sim- similar situation like that with Harold Landry. How do you what's what's kind of the cost benefit analysis of a player like Harold when you're looking at where you are financially against a player that's at a premium position and who has done just about everything humanly possible to live up to that expectation for you guys? Yeah, Harold's done a great job. You know, he's a guy that we um, you know we we thought a lot of when we traded up and and took him. Um, he's played a couple different spots for us. Um, his, he's been productive year in and year out. Some years, statistically, sack-wise, have been better than others. You know, I certainly uh, – he, he played good for us. I think he benefited from some pieces sure. that we had around him, and I think some of those pieces that we had around him benefited from him. That's that's football. That's a team. Um, but we're working to try to keep uh, – trying to keep Harold. We've had some discussions. We'll have another uh, meeting this week, and then we'll talk after. And we've got a couple weeks here before the deadline. And, um, you know, when free agency starts – and, um, you know, we love Harold and, and we want to try to keep Harold. But that that balance of like, you know, how far can you go sure. is something that that we have to be mindful of and we have to work through. Titans general manager John Robinson. He's getting ready to meet with the media, but he decided to stop by here first. I thought we were going to outfit coordinate. I brought your jumpsuit. Was it pink like yours? Well, no, I went Tangelo. I went with it. I, you know, the is that a mob? It said sand on the description. I brought you more a creamsicle colored one, so it's it's here. I'm going to be here. It was really more like a medium rare salmon. (laughs) You know, had old salmon tint. That's what I asked for. Thanks, John. Great seeing you guys, John Robinson.